This ain't parents at to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents at to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Class is in session. Please be seated. Behaviors that get attention get repeated. Avoid the power struggle, cause it will get you heated. Listen to Amanda, cause she knows how to teach it. Yo, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Yeah. Hello, welcome to season three, Parenting with a Punch podcast. I am your host, Amanda Hool. Excited to bring on Laverne Gordon as our special guest today. Laverne Gordon, she is the founder and president of Love Life Now Foundation, which promotes year-round awareness against domestic violence via its initiatives and helps to bridge the gap between shelters and the communities they serve. She is the 2010 winner of two back-to-back beauty pageants, She started out by using the two titles as a platform to increase awareness on the issue. And the following year, Love Life Now was formed. She has spanned awareness in multiple cities just recently this past year in Bali, which I visited and so amazing and honored that she was able to bring awareness. Um, She has been on Huffington Post Live, featured in Huffington Post Magazine, NBC, CBS, Centro, ABC City Line. She is all over, and I'm so excited to introduce her to you all. Hello, Laverne. Hello, hello, Amanda. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Listen, thank you for having me on uh, to discuss this issue uh, specifically. So I appreciate that. Yes, it is, uh, you know, as you know, so Laverne hosted. Um, my first time sharing my story uh, almost a year ago. Uh, she sponsored the event. We raised a good amount of money. And um, since that, you know, being that cathartic experience for myself, uh, I've just really wanted to tap into and like own being able to bring more awareness. So, I mean, you already know how appreciative I am of you and just the work that you do is just absolutely incredible and so important. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that, Amanda. So, so yeah. So tell us, um, tell us sort of, give us like a rundown of, uh, you know, love life now and sort of kind of how you started, started the business. Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, love life now puts on initiatives slash events within the community to get people out and about talking about the issue of domestic violence. And uh, I come to this work uh, not only as a, you know, quote unquote, worker uh, and volunteer, but as um, a survivor of the issue. And uh, I was a child witness to it, as well as an adult survivor uh, of a two-year relationship, almost two-year relationship that I survived. And uh, essentially, I picked up 
advocating for the issue through the two titles, the beauty pageant titles that I was initially dared to take part in locally, mm-hmm. um, and then went on to win that local leg and had to go on to the national leg and, you know, ended up winning there too and had these two titles and had to pick a platform and domestic violence was an easy choice given my history. And so uh, that year with these two titles, I just spent advocating for the issue, uh, using my voice to, to, to share my story to anybody that would listen, uh, whether that was in, within groups or uh, local events that I started putting on that family and friends would attend and or uh, volunteering at a local domestic violence shelter. Um, and, you know, once the year was up with those titles, I knew essentially that I wasn't a pageant girl. I was, really wasn't cut out for the <laughs> long run. <laughs> I had a lot of fun and I have high respect for anybody that takes part in, in pageantry because it really does uh, take a lot of work and focus. But, you know, I really wanted to continue with the work that I had started on the advocacy portion. And so uh, some folks in my corner kept telling me, you know, you should start a nonprofit that might make it a little easier for you to be able to share your message. And so that's what I did the following year, uh, Love Life Now was formed. And um, I continued with the initiatives that we had started that year that has now grown um, to, you know, a couple to a few hundred people at, you know, different uh, types of events and at each event and so uh we are just grateful to be here almost eight years later um you know talking about the same thing uh which is raising awareness on the issue of domestic violence and sometimes sexual assault um and that people are still listening to us i mean you know it's not for nothing when it's when it's when you're talking about awareness it's it's because you need an audience that is interested or willing enough to learn more about what you're talking about um, to be able to sustain uh, to sustain things on the awareness side. So we're just grateful that that folks are listening um, and sharing the message because that's what it's ultimately about: is folks getting educated enough to be able to know what the signs are, how to help someone in their corner if someone's going through it, or just recognize that. You know, domestic violence is in just one place or it happens to one subgroup of people, right. but that it is everywhere and that there's help everywhere. And that's where we come in is just sort of continuously keeping the issue in the forefront as much as possible year round, not just when a celebrity is being affected by it or an athlete is being profiled by, uh, for it in the news. Mm-hmm. But we, this is happening at every nine seconds in the U.S. alone. Um, and that it is everywhere and that the person next to you may be going through it and you may not know because they're, you know, prone to suffer in silence. Um, so just helping folks understand those types of things um, on a, you know, yearly basis, majorly on social media as well. Yeah. Um, keep talking, you know, the more we talk, the, more, the better uh, a victim's chances are of, of getting help um, and getting permission to speak up because you're saying, you know, I'm here and it's okay. And, um, you know, you're not to blame and you should not feel, feel ashamed. So that's who we are. Um, yeah, I, I literally, as you, you know, were talking about it and, and sort of and made the statistic every nine seconds, I, I got the chills because something yeah. that I think that we really should talk about is, the, well, one thing that I know that, 
to be able to hear you say and kind of resonate with me as a survivor as well was, um, and you, and you'll be better at, at communicating it. It was something that you said about, um, not judge or what not to say. Um, can you share what, what that exact, um, sort of quote what that looks like yeah, yeah yeah because i think that that i think that this is where we so I, I think this is a lot of the stigma surrounding you know domestic violence that we th- that we just automatic you know by with friends and close ones why it's so hard for you know a lot of people to kind of just own that they're going through it Right. Yeah, no. And, you know, that's, you know, what society has taught us over the years, right? Is that, um, you know, you're you're automatically, you automatically blame the victim. Well, you know, if if they've stayed this long, or they're, they're putting up with it, it's because they like it. Um, Or that, you know, it's really none of my business. Or, um, you know, if you cared enough about your kids, you would leave. And, you know, there's so many factors why uh, victims end up staying in these relationships. It is not black and white as society makes it out to be sometimes. Yes. Um, so it's easier for you on the outside looking in to judge a survivor or a victim um, and say these things when you haven't walked a mile in their shoes. And right. so when you talk about, you know, what are the things that, you know, people tend to say, it's say, you know, it's a lot like, you know, well, why don't you just leave? <sighs> and, you know, well, you know, I, I would never put up with that. Why are you putting up with that? You know, well, you're a strong person. Why are you letting, why are you letting this happen to you? And these are things that you just don't want to say. Um, you know, uh, or, uh, you know, come stay at my house, you know, and the, the, the fact that the, rea- re- the reality is, is that, you know, for victims that are in these relationships, as I mentioned, there's so many reasons why they end up staying, right. you know, for some, and, and, and leaving can look different for a lot of people, for mm-hmm. everybody, for everyone. Yes. And so, you know, for a woman with kids, you know, she's thinking, well, sure, I, I do want to leave. I do want to protect my kids. I know that I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be here um, for them to see what's going on, but who's going to take care of my kids when they're, my abuser is the, you know, financial provider, you know, it's going to be great for me to stay at your house for a day or two. And they might take you up on the offer off the bat to come and stay at your place. But you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven days into a month, what does that look like? And they're thinking long, you know, some of them are thinking long-term, well, how how am I going to feed my kids? Yeah, I can stay at your place for however long, but what is that going to look like in terms of feeding them, sending them to school? Apart from the abuse, my abuser took care of the kids, or he was financially responsible for the kids, or he would, you know, stay with the kids while I went to work. I don't have anybody else to watch them. You know, like all these things that victims have to think about when it's looking or they've gotten to their breaking point and they want to leave or for someone else who might be, you know, here undocumented. I mean, you know, they're here and their abuser maybe, you know, met them in their country and told them, you know, come to the States, I'll marry you. I'll, I'll get you papers. Mm -hmm. And when they get here, it's because there is no marriage or there is a marriage and one of two things happen. So either there's no marriage and abuse ensues and they have nobody to turn to. Um, They cannot, they're afraid to go and report 
um, anything to the police because the abuser has instilled in them that if you say anything, I will get you deported, you know, or they come and they do marry and they have paper, paperwork, but they say, you know, leading up to them becoming legal that, you know, I'll block the paperwork from it going through if you say anything um, and I'll get you deported. You know, like all of these things that they hold over their head and, you know, they're here and they may, be, they may have, a, you know, siblings or, or, or parents that they have to take care of back in their country. So they're depending on making a better life here to, you know, be able to, to, to support them. You know, right. there's just so many layers to this on why victims stay, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, for some people, it's just playing out that they have been broken down so badly, uh, self-esteem-wise, that they don't feel like they can make it on their own. They've been told over and over again, you are nothing without me. That if you go out and on your own, you will fall flat on your face. Um, uh, you know, people will blame you and maybe they've gotten some blame before from family members and friends mm-hmm. and that makes them scared to even stand alone. Right. So, because right. they feel like, you know what? So again, I mean, I could go on and on yes. <laughs> why we stay, but the, the, but that should never be the question. And you should never question a victim as to why they haven't left yet. You know, it takes victims on average seven to 10 times to leave Amanda. And, you know, that's if they leave with their life, right? Because the idea is, you know, even if they do end up leaving, again, if they've gotten to a shelter and they're safe, you know, for some, that's all they know is the, 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 the height of, of abuse and, you know, someone telling them what to do. Someone like that is the mindset that a victim is in once they're out up from under this physical mental hold um, right. that they still potentially have with them once they've gone to safety. So, you know, two weeks have gone or a week has passed and, you know, the abuser still has access to calling them. Well, guess what? They're calling them and telling them sometimes, well, hey, you know, I won't do it again. I'm sorry. The you know, cycle. You, Mm-hmm. Right. You've, you've taken the step now because they know now that they're losing some of that power and control if right. they've gone now and sought safety somewhere else that they don't know where to find them. It's like, okay, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Please come back home. Let me come get you somewhere. And a victim is thinking, I believe you, <laughs> you know, it's been a week. Things are good. He's saying all the right things. And, you know, maybe I should go back. It's really hard here living in shelter. It's, it's not home. I want to go back to what I know, you know, and that includes sometimes the abusive part of the relationship. So, you know, it's, it's, again, it's mentally, uh, it, it takes a toll on you. Yes. And essentially, um, it is a hard thing to get up from up, from up under. Um, and for some that takes months, for some that takes days, for yep. some that may take years, for yep. some it may never go away. You just will always be in that state of mind that you are less than because uh, this person has told you over and over again that this is what it is. Right. And, and something we should also mention is the different forms. I mean, I think in general, we automatically assume that domestic violence is like purely physical, like getting punched every day and bruised. Right. There's the physical, emotional, and verbal abuse. And Absolutely. 
<laughs> and, you know, those bruises, I tend to say that those, you know, and a lot of people as well tend to say that those, you know, the bruises that you don't see are the ones that last a lifetime, yes. you know, getting punched physically, you know, that pain and that mark may go away. Um, but the emotional toll that this takes on you and the PTSD that you suffer mm. post, um, you know, having been through a relationship like that, it never goes away for a lot of people. And right. so yes, all those different forms, domestic violence can take those different forms. Uh, and a lot of the times, you know, for, for victims, it's, it's, it's essentially worse than the physical portion because, you know, for some, for some, you know, the physical pain you become numb to, but that yes. mental breakdown every day or every other day is insane for folks. It, yes. It, right? it is. So every day, someone's telling you, um, you know, you're, 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 you're nothing, you know, the, I mean, they essentially treat you, uh, the picture a slave, you know, that, that sort of dog mentality that, you know, right. they look, look down on you uh, with, and uh -huh. then you know, beyond that, you know, sometimes you, they begin to judge you. So then you begin to judge yourself. Um, right. you begin to question your own reality because they're telling you that you're crazy. Uh -huh. You know, I've been talking about gaslighting within yes. the last week and what that looks like. And essentially mm -hmm. is, it is where your abuser makes you question your own reality. And right. makes you, you're crazy. You mm -hmm. know, I, I, I didn't say that. What do, you, what do you mean? I didn't say that. I never said that. Oh, well, well, no, that's, you're crazy. No, no. And they're not going to believe you. You know, all of these things that, you know, victims can put a name to when they're going through it keeps them bondaged right and right. so you're only hearing from this one person that is breaking you down day to day and you begin to isolate yourself because you think maybe i am less than maybe you know i, I am second guessing. Right. i should be right. second guessing myself on what i wear and how i look and the way i dress and the way i talk um because he, they said that this is better or this is less or this is worse right so just, yeah there's just so many forms but yes um uh the physical scars are not the only ways that domestic violence takes form. Yeah. I, I and the, there's something else that I, that I think is important for, you know, anyone that, that is listening, especially if it's somebody that is thinking about leaving or is having a hard time. Um, and I forget, I'm, I'm not sure who it was that said it to me or if it was you or not, but, um, that we, as a survivor, uh, we are stronger than those that have never even ever had to be had to be strong. Yes. The, the, the amount of strength um, that it takes to leave a situation, no matter, you know, what the situation is, um, I think is really, really important. Um, especially for anyone that's, you know, that's listening or is going through it in knowing that, the strength that you will have after you leave this relationship is something that, you, I mean, it is, I'm sure you can attest to it, is so ridiculously empowering. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, to be able to have gone, not, well, to, first of all, to have survived, right? right That's yeah. a big deal that I think victims sort of, um, sort of downplay is having gone through this and been able 
people to, to leave with not just your physical being intact, but your mind in, in some, some sort of um, whole frame, regardless that it's broken down overall. But, yes. you know, it's empowering to be able to, you know, speak your truth. And I think uh, victims and survivors alike, we discount ourselves overall when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, in thinking that, you know, people are going to look at you differently um, or blame you for what you went through. And that is so the opposite. And there's a network of women and men across the world, really, that are waiting for your permission to say me too, right? Yeah. And to, mm-hmm. um, to be able to do that is, is insanely empowering. I absolutely agree with that, Amanda. And now, so you, some of the initiatives that you do on a yearly basis, so you have the fashion show, which you just yeah. did your second year. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, that, that, that alone, I think, and, and it's not only, it's not because I participated in the second year, but just to that, I, I think that was such a great idea for you to, yeah. to put this on, um, I mean, that, so tell us a little bit about the fashion show that you do every year. Yeah, absolutely. So that uh, was the brainchild of Craig Martin, Mm -hmm. and who was a huge (laughs) Southwood supporter of ours. Um, He owns, this is, now this is a guy that runs an insurance agency that is passionate about causes um, beyond domestic violence, but we hold a special place in his heart and we're grateful for that. Um, (laughs) brought to a local uh, boutique house owner, um, Sylvia Killian, who they both, between the both of them, decided that this was going to be a great idea to, to, to do um, and have it benefit us and our awareness efforts throughout the year. But we put a spin on it by having the models of the fashion show um, be survivors of domestic violence. And so the event um, started two years ago and I was uh, brought in as not only the beneficiary, but to sort of, I had the task of, of seeking the wonderful survivors that would be agreed to be models for this event. And what we quickly realized is that essentially, um, you know, for a lot of the survivors walking in the show, that for the, a lot of them, it is their coming out. Right of sorts um, yeah. <laughs> to speak to the world. I've been through this, but guess what? I'm standing strong, and this is me. Look at me now. And it sounds simple, but it is a big deal on the night of the event. And Amanda, you mentioned that you participated in it, and I know you felt the same way. Yes, and I didn't want to do it. If you remember, I, like, I was not looking forward to it at all. <laughs> yes, man. And then you went out, you walked, I mean, you walked out to all the applause and it, I mean, and, and that's, so that's the other thing is that we have the, the people that come to this event, you know, not, not necessarily local to us, but maybe just love the idea of a fashion show or that mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, this surrounds domestic violence. Yes, yeah. the, everybody in that audience is, is so extremely excited to support the yes. folks that are walking in the show mm-hmm. that you walked out to the to the applause and it was rousing. I mean, it yes. was it was <laughs> extremely <laughs> extremely <laughs> the people cheering you on and so you know reading your bio as you walked out um, in in, in uh, sorry, Sylvia's by the sea uh, yeah. fashion mm-hmm. and 
we, I mean, it just, it, it, it means a lot. I mean, I walked in the first show um, and, you know, I've, I've been a survivor. I've talked about my, my, right. my issue with the, with, the, with abuse and, and still it was like, wow, like this feels good. Mm-hmm. And I was not to blame for what happened to me. And the fact that I am still here and you're still here and everybody else that walks in the show is still here. Right. To be able to give someone else inspiration, which you guys did and have done so within the last two years. I mean, we get folks coming to us right after the show saying, how can I model? How can I walk? I want to walk. (laughs) It's not very, my my job as for seeking the models is not very hard when you have people inspired by folks like you who are saying, you know, I'm here and no more, right? right. And mm-hmm. doing it in a bold way through this fashion show. So, you know, it just is, again, it, it just means a lot to us that we're able to put on initiatives like that in the community, yes. um, you know, and that's, you know, just one of them that we do. Right. Um, you know, we, we, we try to host one, at, at least one per quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, we've, we've actually just added another one coming up on April 7th, but beyond that, our annual walk that happens, it's a walk in heels, yep. um, that, you know, say, says, you know, walk a mile in my shoes and raise awareness. Right. Right. So within the last two years, we've had more men showing up yes. and walking in yes. heels to yes. support the cause. I love and it. That, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny to look at <laughs> so awesome um in itself and we have you know the cars honking as we walk by with the signs the awareness signs and the walk in itself is about a mile mm-hmm. but essentially we end up raising money for our domestic violence shelter agency yep. mm-hmm. and so um the walk is a to raise awareness that you know the agency exists B, to show folks that this isn't a shameful issue, that there are survivors walking, you know, down without a problem, um, strutting their stuff and saying no more as well. And C, um, to have folks understand that, again, this isn't a white, black, um, you know, Latin, this isn't, this isn't one issue because the, the, the different array of people that take place that take part in this walk mm. is diverse. Oh, uh, absolutely. So, right. It's, it just shows the broad, the broad range of people that this affects. Right. right? Not everybody that's walking is a survivor, but they know someone that's been affected by it. They know someone that's been tragically killed by it. They know right. someone um, in their past that went through it. So it just, again, it touches people. It goes across the board and that's what the walk is about. And obviously a fun afternoon, it's kid friendly mm-hmm. uh, folks, you know, you know, there's the hot dogs and the fruit and the ice cream. And <laughs> we started within the last maybe two or three years. We have a balloon release in memory of, um, survivors that have passed. Mm. Um, due to this issue. So we have, you know, a couple speakers and, you know, raffles. It's just a really, really fun morning into early afternoon um, that this just, again, just gets people in a positive space um, so that others can learn how they can be part of the solution through the walk. Right. And then you have the gala, which I was sad to miss this year. Yes, the gala. So we host the gala each year. That happens every la- the last Friday in February. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's held the week before 
uh, statewide White Ribbon Day here in Massachusetts. Yes. Um, and patterned after the White Ribbon campaign, which asked more men to speak up and out on the issue of domestic violence. Amen. Uh, too often, we, you know, us as women are advocating for this issue, but when a man is lending his voice to the, to the cause and talking to men in his community, whether it's his son, um, his barber, a colleague, a friend, that's someone they may, you know, and it may be somebody that they suspect that isn't as abusive right. or just, just passing on the message of what, you know, manhood can look like without right. all the testosterone. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it, it lends, you know, the whole idea is to reimagine manhood, right? Too often right. growing up, men are taught not to cry, not to show emotion, not to care about what happens to the girl that falls down on the playground, you right. know, just all these things that kids, little boys are taught um, that they grow up with, you know, you know, they get to teenage dumb and they're, they're stuck with these, I, these, these ideas that say women are less than, or they should be treated that with less than as less than, or they've witnessed just within their own homes or communities right. that, is what love looks like. And the White Ribbon Campaign is here to change that uh, narrative or to help change that narrative. And so the gala um, asked men and their counterparts, women attend as well, as you know, yes, yep. um, come out and hear from other men in the community. We have about two to three speakers. Um, one is typically the, the, the coordinator for the White Ribbon Campaign here in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. um, and then it may be a man that's doing the work in the community on a daily basis. basis. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, maybe a local celebrity that's lending, or a national celebrity that's lending their voice um, to this cause as well. And hear from them how they are in their daily lives um, use, you know, using their voice to advocate for this issue so that the men in the room can then take that message back to their communities. Um, and then at the end of the night, we have the men in the room come up to the front of the room and take the pledge, the White Ribbon Day pledge, which, in, you know, in part simply states, from this day forward, I will no longer condone, condone violence against women. Right. And it sounds simple enough, mm -hmm. but to the survivors <laughs> in the room, and potential Huge. victims that are in the yes. room. Mm -hmm. It means so much to hear this collaborative, collective group of men saying, I'm here. You know, you don't have to carry the burden by yourself. You don't have to speak up on your own. We are going to do our part in our, in our communities too. And for some, you know, it, it may take some time to get used to that whole idea right. of you know, being an advocate in that sense. But mm -hmm. it's Simple. It's a simple idea of you going back and talking to your sons um, about uh, on a daily basis about you know what respect for women looks like, what love language can look like, you know, just yeah. all these things mm -hmm. that can play into relationships that they're going to essentially form right. on their own. Right? right? They're only with us. Our sons and our daughters are only with us a certain part of the day, and right. they spend majority of the time with their peers. Yes. So as much information as we can give to them that they don't have to take as, you know, truth from mm -hmm. their peers if they, you know, feel it isn't right, right. Um, better. So that's what the White Ribbon Campaign, the White Ribbon Night Gala is about. We have a fantastic time. Everybody gets dolled up in their, in their gowns and their <laughs> cocktails and their suits. 
And we have a really great night, the silent auction. And, you know, this past event um, raised over $11,000. So while we're still grassroots and we're not, you know, on the big time front of raising, you know, the big funding, you know, it really means a lot that folks care enough to use their dollars and their voices um, to be able to be part of the solution in that way by attending. So good for you. Amazing. Yeah, we're, we, we, we love that event. Um, because again, it puts men on center stage um, to, to understand more that this isn't a women's issue. Um, It is, it is everyone's business. God bless you. Seriously. So that, that leads me to, um, I mean, obviously my work in the world, parenting with a punch, you know, working with, with families, parenting on the same page, owning their energy, you know, the communication, um, you know, you have an amazing husband and, you know, (laughs) who is supportive and the way that, that, you know, that, that a woman should be treated. Um, but you know, as, in, as being a child witness yourself, um, you know, and having two children of your own, I mean, what are your, I mean, what are your thoughts on just knowing the effects, um, it's had as a child witness and just being more conscious and raising your children. Yeah. So that's a big one. So, um, as I mentioned, I'm a child witness to the issue and, and, um, I grew up on the Island of Trinidad, uh, which for folks that don't know is the most southerly Island in the Caribbean. So we're just above Venezuela and we are the last Island going that way. So that being said, growing, you know, born in 77, really knew myself in the eighties. Um, the, 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 you know, the earliest memory I have of my parents' relationship was my father brutally beating my mother in front of us. Mm -hmm. Not something that he hid to do. Um, and times he would do it in, you know, in public in front of our house in our yard, Mm -hmm. um, where neighbors would, you know, sometimes peek out or come out. Um, you know, and, but not necessarily stop him. Why? Because it was culturally acceptable for the most part, even though you felt some empathy towards the victim who happened to be my mom. Um, it was because the, uh, you know, the guys who were looking on who potentially wanted to do something, well, guess what? Some of them were doing it in their own house too. Right. So who were they to come and question my father um, to, you know, stop, you know, sometimes they would yell out, but they would never, I would say, physically get involved, even though they right. trashing items in the house or the loud swearing and profanity and mm-hmm. nobody was ever coming to, nat- to necessarily stop it. Maybe um, I, you know, maybe before I was born that may have happened, but I can't account for any time that any one neighbor came and stopped it from happening. And then I, and again, I only know this now and looking back um, because I've become more educated about the issue. So that being right. said, um, you know, that was the norm for us. Right. Um, and, you know, there were five of us uh, all together uh, mm-hmm. when it was all said and done. Yeah. And I'm the middle child. And it's funny how the issue um, affected all of us for the most part differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I watched what happened. I was scared, uh, when it was happening. I mean, my father would use machetes on my mother. He would right. use beer bottles that he would break and stab her with sometimes. And so, 
you know, these are things that have never, ever, ever, ever left me. Um, I sometimes still have nightmares about it, Mm -hmm. um, suffering from PTSD, but I watched it and, you know, ultimately kept saying to myself, that would never be me. I would never let anybody treat my, treat me the way he treated her. And, um, unfortunately, subconsciously, I ended up in an abusive relationship myself. Right. A, because my father, you know, subconsciously taught me that this is the way that you this receive love. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my mother said, um, this, this is what love looks like. Right. Um, and so, you know, as much as I, you know, emphatically, outwardly told myself it would never happen. Yeah. By the time the first slap took place in my own relationship, um, and, and, and then, you know, some time had passed and, you know, an apology an elaborate apology yes. came. it was <laughs> yeah. because I, I immediately was, uh, negating the, the gravity of what had just took place. Right. Um, then trying to rash, I tried to rationalize why it wasn't as bad as what my mother went through. Right. Well, and you were also conditioned. So, I mean, to, for like, that's what love looks like. Right. And so, yeah, right. Subconsciously. And so, you know, listening to this elaborate apology on voicemails, tons of voicemails mm-hmm. with coupled with purple roses, which was still, you know, it's the color of awareness for DV, <laughs> but with my favorite color, um, doesn't purple roses, all these long winded apologies and, you know, worry for where I was because I wasn't contacting him. You know, right. all of this couple together with a really, really nice note with this with these roses that had come to my house, I immediately was rationalizing. Well, you know, my my dad never took the time to elaborately apologize like this. And right. well, you know, <laughs> was just a slap. And and he he is saying he's sorry mm-hmm. and, and it won't happen again. Right. So yes, it's okay. And I, I did really like him. And, you know, I, I think I might love him. So <laughs> here we go. So that take that first apology acceptance right. um, led to almost two years of abuse. Because by the time the second um, attack happened, it was more elaborate. And I, again, now started to question myself right. um, because I was being told it was my fault. Mm-hmm. that it happened. I, and I, I, you know, questioning myself, well, maybe I should have, I should have done this differently. Maybe I shouldn't have made eye contact with the guy in the club. Maybe, uh, you know, I, you know, even though I told him to go away, maybe I, sh- I, I, I should have tried harder. Um, I could see how this looks to, to my boyfriend, like all of these things that you start to second guess yourself on because your reality now becomes not yours. You're, you're, you're now owning into what they say is, is, is your, their word is bond. Right. Right. So, you know, it, I will say that, you know, over the years, like I said, this issue has affected my siblings differently. Right. Um, my, um, you know, I have two brothers that are abusive. Mm-hmm. I have one that isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have one sister that uh, has always said, try me. <laughs> right. She just has always had that attitude, like, yep. I hear you. Like, you know, yeah. she just went the opposite way. So, you know, <laughs> You know, it just has always, it, it, it affects 
different kids differently. Exactly. Yeah. But I can't tell you enough that we think, well, you know, it's only verbal abuse and, you know, I try to simmer him or her down when it's happening so that my, my, my kids won't hear. And you're not giving your children the benefit of the doubt because we pick up. I mean, even when, you know, I, I could sense when an attack was going to happen against my mom. Energy, baby. Okay. I'm, I'm a child. And I could sense mm-hmm. when it was going to go down. I'm talking six, seven years old. Oh, yeah. I could sense when things weren't right on my father's end and that he was getting ready to blitz. So right. you don't give your kids enough credit when you say that, you know, I'm shielding them from this. Right. You're not. You're no. not. No, it, um, th- that this is why it's, you know, and, and important we can end on this note is you have to take responsibility and recognize as parents that if you are fighting and constantly, especially the verbal abuse, it, uh, it takes a huge toll on their subconscious. Like you discussed, like it, it, it's conditioning and, and parents yes. need to pay attention and recognize that it can have long lasting effects. And like you said, you never know. Every child is different, but I, I think, you know, and more, more often than not. Thank you. Thank you. Right. That it, if it, you will it, grow it, up in that situation, correct. you are going to, you are going to end up. And you know, I, I was the same thing. God bless my parents. I love them. They're still married today. And yeah. you know, if they listen to this episode, it's not that I'm, you know, they know how I feel. They've always fought. And I thought that, again, that the fighting and the verbal abuse was okay. And hell to the no. I will never end up in a relationship like that ever. Right. And it's, it just, you have to be conscious. You have children that you are raising. And it is so important for people to understand that. Yeah. Yeah. It's hugely important because, again, like you said, conditioning um, to, 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 again, I'm being taught by my mother how to receive love. And my father is telling me how, how, how my spouse should treat me. Right. Um, and again, you, you're thinking, oh, well, it's not physical. It's just verbal. Well, those put downs are be, you know, being instilled in our kids mm-hmm. that this is the way that it goes down. It's okay. It's yep. okay. To, it's okay to insult her. It's okay to insult him. Right. Uh, you know, all of these things play into how their their love language um, is portrayed once they get older. Um, right. So you cannot stress enough. And I'm not saying put on a facade for your kids. I'm saying be real with them and tell them, you know, this is this is not what it's like. And so a great resource, right. um, not necessarily for children, children, but, you know, maybe right. 13 and up, a great resource for kids um, going through relationships that you don't necessarily want to, uh, you don't know how to address right. and you want them to sort of do it on their own is loveisrespect.org. It is a teen dating violence um, awareness uh, website that is catered to teen teens and dating and relationships um, with, to the to the extent where if they if they feel like they are going through something or even want to talk about their parents' relationship, they can right. text. They don't have to pick up a phone and call. Um, they can text the hotline and ask questions. And so again, geared towards teens, I I highly recommend it. Love is 
disrespect.org. Um, even for you, as you, if you're yes. looking for a resource about how to, uh, you know, address teen dating and, you know, what relationships can and should look like, um, what healthy relationships are versus unhealthy, you know, this is a great resource for them. So I highly recommend that um, for, for them. That thing, and make sure, um, please share your website for anyone that um, would love to donate. Uh, the cause is greatly appreciated. Share with those that are tuning in your website and how they can. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, even even beyond that, just, you know, joining us on social media, yes, lending yes. your voice to this issue is huge for us. And, you know, we're, we are hugely about awareness. So you can find us on the web, www.lovelifenow.org. You can find all our links there, but we're on social, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, LinkedIn, Laverne Gordon, L-O-V-E-R-N, Gordon, um, on LinkedIn. And I get messages there as well, right, for people, okay. people looking for help. So, you know, Instagram and Facebook, at Love Life Now Found, with a D at the end, mm -hmm. and on Twitter, um, at Love Life Now Found, without the D at the end. So... Um, you know, find us on social media and join us there. That means a lot to us to be able to, you know, spread the message with you there as well. So thank you. Absolutely. Um, you know, and anyone that is, that is listening, if you know somebody that you suspect, um, please encourage them to reach out to Laverne. You have, you are more than welcome to reach out to myself. I'm more than happy to be of support and, and lead you in the right direction to Laverne. She's amazing like that. <laughs> um, but Thank you so very much from the bottom of my heart to continue doing this, this very important work. Um, uh, it's, it, you really are making such a huge difference. And I just, oh. I'm so blessed to know you. You have infinitely changed my life and I just, I, I love you so much. <laughs> uh, right back at you, Amanda. I mean, you know, it, it takes a village on this issue and mm -hmm. the more, we are banding together and raising our voices in uh, against it, um, yes. the better we are off. So I, I write back at you personally and professionally. Um, <laughs> you do amazing work in this space. And, you know, I appreciate that you, again, are giving us a platform to be able to raise awareness to, the, to that end. You got it. Well, you have a beautiful day and we will talk again soon. Yes. Thank you, my dear. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Parents out to lunch? No, this is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch? No, this is parenting with the punch. Class is in session, please be seated. Behaviors that get attention get repeated. Avoid the power struggle, cause it will get you heated. Listen to Amanda, cause she knows how to teach it. Yo, this ain't parents out to lunch? No, this is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch? No. This is parenting with a punch. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
for full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 